Hello, and welcome back to Say Something, a podcast series hosted by the Breadcast and Bread Coffee House. Over the next eight weeks, Bread is using this podcast feed to highlight the stories of our black students. This series, called Say Something, is a way for us to allow their voices to be heard. We believe deeply in the power of stories as a medium for change, and hope that these stories inspire in you more love, more grace, and more commitment to justice in our world. I know they have for me. This week's guest is my very good friend, Boris Nyanzima. Boris just finished his third year at Emory. I met Boris a few days after he moved on campus as a freshman, and I've loved getting to know him very well over the years. I hope you enjoy his story. I'm Boris, Boris Nyanzima. I'm, a, I guess, a third year Emory student from Rwanda, consider myself African-American, and I'm black. Tell me about your childhood. I know you have sort of a unique childhood. You were born in Rwanda and then moved to Tanzania uh, before moving here when you were 11. So tell me what that experience was like. Growing up in Tanzania was great. Since it was like my childhood, it was, I, was, I left when I was 11 years old. It was just really nice. I had, I had, I had a very like, idyllic lifestyle. My school was great. I was with my my younger brother all the time when I wasn't in school and I was surrounded by people who looked like me except at, weirdly, except at my, my school, which was like an international school, so there was, the only place I ever saw white people was at school. Yeah, I was like, it was the, in hindsight, it was one of the greatest communities to be part of and worlds to be part of. Tanzania was nice, other than the fact that like surrounded by like really horrible poverty. It was just like, it's a, it gave me a lot of perspective in my own life. It's just uh, what it looks like. Yeah, what, what abject poverty looks like and how to live among it and live with it. What ways did you actually see poverty living there? The big one is that my house was in this neighborhood called Njiro. And we would like, we were driving to school and driving out of the neighborhood and to like the, the main road, which is paved road. We would just drive past, we'd just be like muddy roads, dirty roads. And we'd drive past like people living in like tin roof houses, like really cramped up spaces and kids like without shoes, stray dogs kind of just chilling. Like people were living life and it was healthy. People were, were like happy, but... It was clear that, like, when you, like, drove out of that, when you drove out of Nigeria onto the paved road, it was like, oh, this is more like a normal town. It's like, there would be shops and stuff. And also, the, the contrast was, uh, we lived in, like, a nice house. We lived in, like, a house that we had. I had a housekeeper and a gardener, and I would leave, and I would see, like, the exact opposite. Like, there's, like, kids, like, playing soccer without, without shoes. Like, for, we moved into, a, like, a, what we called a gated community in the U.S., at some point, after my house burned down, <laughs> uh, not burned down, which is our house set on fire, my first, my first home that I lived in, we would play soccer with the kids from over the other side of the fence, and they would come in through a hole in the fence, and they'd just be like Tanzanian kids, and it'd be me and my friends from other parts of Africa and from India in this like gated community playing against them. But it was just like these kids were like mm. obviously like wearing hand-me-down clothes or like clothes that came from like that stereotype of like kids wearing like a the losing NFL team's like shirt it was literally like <laughs> literally that kind of stuff and uh, I mean they were amazing at soccer they were amazing that's where I got 
my brother and I got our interest for playing soccer that's when he got really good too yeah so it's like a it's like a stark contrast when I was a kid like leave it living in like a little bit upper class upper middle class life in a country where the majority of people who live there clearly not, don't have access to that life where did you move to when you moved here when you were 11 I moved to New York City when I was 11 which is a huge another big contrast going from a place with no nothing close to a skyscraper to moving to like the center of all of those. I moved to the east side of Manhattan. It's an apartment, never lived in an apartment before. It was it was great. I, I love anyone who knows me now knows I love New York City. And that's when that started. Went to an international school really close to my apartment there. And also first time, honest to God, the first time I'd ever seen Americans. I had one American friend in Tanzania and he was black and he left. So I had him for like a year or something. I actually just recently found him on Facebook. I, first time I've seen like a, 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 a ton of, a ton of Americans. It was just like a completely different world, yeah. So you moved from what is obviously a majority black country to uh, a country that is now you're a minority. What was that experience like? Is that something you noticed even at 11? Oh, I, def- I definitely noticed it. Well, thing that like I think everyone who grows up outside of the United States like knows. We know like a lot about what we think American culture is like. And when you get here, it's like the thing that is most shocking is the race contrast. What black like being black is like is like just the most. At least from going from a majority, a completely majority black place to a majority to becoming a minority, it was like, oh, I'm black now. I'm not like Tanzanian. I'm not Rwandan. I'm black. I'm, I'm not African. I would, when I when I was younger, I would say I'm not my African. But now I'm like gotten used to like being saying I'm just black because like it like it kind of being in like my first school like explaining because I also went to an international school so it was easier to explain my background. But like over time, I became more assimilated into being a black American because that was just easier than to explain like three different like a backstory to who I was because everyone just assumed that I'm black I'm like I'm, I'm African-American that was it I mean I think the first time I heard the n-word in a derogatory fashion was when I moved here other than through music never heard anyone say that to hurt my feelings yeah it was it, that happened even at international school like it's a, a very a, a place that is literally has a UN charter as part of its mission statement that still ha- that obviously happens. Did your parents have conversations with you when you moved here about what it meant to be black in America? No, they didn't. They did not because for them and for what I believe is like a lot of African immigrants is like it's very much like just work hard and you like be seen as the way you are. My dad went to grad school here and finished college in the U.S. So he was one of those people that kind of he was just really good at what he did. He didn't really recognize the discrimination and also he was a conversation we had recently. He would discriminate against black Americans because of the way he perceived their their culture or like their world compared to like what it was to be like a hardworking like African immigrant. So I didn't I personally did not like feel that way about black people in the US, but my parents were like never like had a conversation about us being black. Cuz I did think they also did not think about it like until they got here they didn't think about it ever so they were just like 
you're you're African, you're Tanzanian. I mean, you're Rwandan. You're black now. I don't think they expected us to like face racism. They, from what I know now, they had a pretty naive idea about what going to the school I was in was gonna be like. We've had conversations over the past this past like couple of months about there is racism literally everywhere in the U.S. And going to New York, my mom was shocked that going to being in New York that that would happen. Like, but yeah, they, we never had conversations like that. I kind of had to like get that from the internet and me and my brother talking about it and watching like movies and TV and stuff. When you moved to New Jersey, what was that? High school when you moved here? I moved to New Jersey actually at the beginning of high school. Was there any big shift for you as you moved from a really diverse city like New York to uh, New Jersey? Yeah, in my Jersey like suburb, we're like the only. I'm, I mean, I know at least on my street, I'm the only like black like kids, like black like young people. Now when now that everyone's out and about walking around, I see people and I notice that we're not. But it was it was a shift. It's just like it's even more of a minority here. Like I, in New York, I was like used to seeing like a wide wide breadth of like nationalities and like skin color and all that but here's just like lots of white yeah it was just like it was weird like to to be in like the, the standard like white pick and fence like house and just be like feel immediate like this is not anything like anywhere i've ever been and i literally felt like claustrophobic about it i was like i i can't no one i no one that looks like me or is like me is anywhere around me and I did not know how to be a person in the suburbs like it might be just like a factor of being in the suburbs like you just live in your house and like you drive around and you can't really see people but like I would just be like feel weird that every single not every single actually our neighbors are like a older black like a, a retired black couple but it was just not seeing kids who look like me it was totally like a like a mind screw because I was just I felt like I had to be in New York City to one see my friends but also just to like feel comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable at all in New Jersey until I guess now, <laughs> until I got older. Did you have any specific experiences there with racism or was it just the general sort of not having any other black people around you? It was a general not having people around me look like me, but also like just seeing, just like walking around my neighborhood and seeing like political stuff that was just, I felt was anti-black signs and my stereotype about older white people, just like the way, the way my thinking about what older white people were like. So it was really just like probably a projection and nothing specific happened to me, but I felt like I had to, like I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, I, I didn't feel like I, I couldn't, there's no one I could talk to in my neighborhood. There's no one I could like get close to. I, I like, I really felt like if, if I'm introducing myself to my neighbors, it's like, I was afraid to do that for some reason. I have no like real reason. I was just like, I didn't, I didn't think. And it's, but also I was like 13. So I was like, I didn't, I was like, all, everyone I know lives an hour away from me. So every time I want to do anything, I have to get out of the community that I live in. And also I don't see anything in the community I live in that would, would, would looks like it's a place for me. It's like a golf course near where I live. I've never seen a golf course in my life. Like there's like stuff like that where it's just like, there's no, there's no culture of, this might be a suburban thing. So there's no culture of like community. So really, so like, that's kind of the message I got from my neighborhoods. Like everyone was in their car. Everyone was mostly white and seemed like they were just like going about their lives. What was high school like? High school was good. High school was good. I kind of I had, I had a group of, I, I was like a hardworking student, like very like into school and like my extracurricular stuff. 
I had a group of pre-grade friends. I had to like transition out of a friend group that were the definition of like edgy teen boys and who were actively racist towards me and made a lot of new, made a lot of new friends. And the school is small, so it was 120 people in my graduating class. So everyone knew each other. And the friends I made were just the girls that were friends with the boys that I was friends with. So it was like, it's not like I escaped those guys, but like, I like literally had to like, just like get away from people who would say the N word at me, like to me, to, to like have fun. This is like the beginning of high school. Like the, for my first year of high school, like first year out of middle school, it's like they would just do that. And yeah, I guess, and so I transitioned out of a friend group, not really, cause they were around and were my friends and people that I saw, but like, yeah. That was, high school was good. It was really good, but that was like the one, another thing that made me feel weird about my blackness. So I had like the, like I said, this group of guy friends um, and one, one friend in particular was, was like one of my closest friends. And like, we did a lot of stuff together. We did clubs together. And in my end of high school, we went on a, tr all of my group of friends went on a trip to Europe. Yes, very privileged. Went on a trip to Europe and it was like a bunch of us and a bunch of us guys and a bunch of girls went to this place. And in Barcelona, actually, this guy, white dude, him and another white dude were like drinking a little bit. And like, this was after, like years after they would ever say, like say the N word around me. But this was like a shocking moment for me to see them like act like this, even when we were 18 years old. We were in a stairwell, they were like, they were at the top of the stairwell drinking like beers or something and just started like saying it to me, like saying it like to annoy me. And, and I was with my girlfriend at the bottom of the stairwell, like trying to like <laughs> do our own thing because everyone else is going out to do something else and just saying it like directed at me, not like to make like saying that. And I was like, this is like very hurtful, like very like I in the like now I can't even like see this guy without thinking about that you know and yeah so it's like one of those things where it's like you in high school I, I thought like the community I had fostered was very tolerant and people who like got what it was like to be like different because it was like we were all different nationalities but when it came to being black it's like it really was still like a big thing and another thing I just remembered this was like when I got into Emory a lot of my friends were joking about this but it hurt my feelings were like, you only got in because your last name is Neon Zima. You only got in because you're black and you're from, an, you're an African and you have this name. And I literally went to my college counselor and like asked her if that was true. Like I asked her to explain affirmative action to me. I asked her to like tell me like, is it true that like the only reason I got into school is because my name is Neon Zima and I'm black. And she gave me the, told me the truth. That's not true at all. That's not how that works. But you can like in my like in hindsight thinking about all this stuff now is like how deep like the anti-blackness was in internally and like how it felt then like all this stuff like kind of built up to the point where even i did not believe in who i was as a person because everyone treated like my blackness as part of like something was always brought up you know and it just like one of those things that like made me become really like radicalized the way i felt about being black when you have these sort of experiences where Someone you know and trust and you've known for a long time says something racist like that. Does it affect your ability like long term to trust people and to make new relationship? Uh, yeah, it's def definitely harder to trust people. Like it becomes like I had like a 
from then on I had like a white boy stereotype like, I was, like a hardcore like just can't trust white guys about my age they just like don't care about offending people so yeah it, it affects me and it like makes me very hard to like trust anyone it makes me more like paranoid and I'm afraid to get to know people on like a, a deeper level or let them into my life for that reason I was happy that my girlfriend was there to witness that because she could see like directly how like stuff like that happens and so we've talked about it a lot since then but yeah it, it, it definitely affects trust and like just like you generally just like get angry with about something that you don't really know how to articulate or feel so you moved south to Georgia to go to school at Emory. What has that experience been like for you over these last few years? At Emory, I mean, I loved Emory. I had, um, I had a, I had a, I mean, I went, I went down south explicitly because I wanted to be around more black people. Like I literally went to Atlanta because I wanted to be, to see and be around. I, mean, I picked Emory, I know, but like, but that was like my idea of what Atlanta would be like. And I went there, I was happy, like, once again, saw more Americans, like a different, like, I saw more Americans than I'd ever expected because in my international school, it's still like mostly international. So I was now working and living amongst a mix of people, but mostly American people. And it was great. I had another, what I would say was like a racist incident in my like sophomore year. Generally, like I met for the first time I met like black Americans, I just like, I was just like, oh, these are like my people. Like I felt like very close to like a, a Desla Thomas is one of those people where I was just like, this is like one of the best people I've ever met. And we like had very similar experience. Like it was the first time in my life that I had met someone who like we could like talk and like had the exact same like wavelength on like the things we'd experienced. And obviously she's a woman, a black woman, so it's different, but we had like, in my freshman year, it's just like refreshing to have that kind of conversation with people. And then I made the mistake of trying to rush a white fraternity. So then that's when I had a that incident. Do you feel comfortable sharing that story? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll share it because I was talking. I was actually talking about this last night with my another friend of mine who left Emory. And we were recounting like the problems with, I guess, fraternity and sorority life at Emory. And one of the problems is obviously it's, it's very segregated and it's a place where it's like easy to like hide the way people feel about things. So personally, my story is like I rushed a fraternity and I was, I rushed this fraternity. I made a couple, like I, I was, did in my sophomore year because the friends I had made who were in that group of, in that group were like really great guys and like people I really liked. And one of them is like someone I really admire and he graduated and I still talk to, but uh, I went through that whole process and I thought I did a really great job and I when it was over the way it works is that they have to all of them have to agree to let someone in so all of them see us and there was one guy who very much was didn't like he was the one guy who was like advocating for me not to be there because he thought that I would be like outspoken and he didn't want quote he didn't want me to be to interrupt their quote-unquote locker room talk. That's literally what he said. He didn't want me to, like, to be able to, like, call someone out or, like, be, like, someone who... I guess I had to him or whatever, I had a reputation of someone who, like, would not take BS when it came to, like, racist stuff or stuff like that. And I and the, my friends in that fraternity knew that, and that's how, I, that's how we became friends, because, like, they were on the same wavelength. But in this major, very white space... This one guy was able to like 
shut down something that I thought I wanted at the time. Now I know for a fact I would have hated that and I would have left it. But coming out of that, my friend Will Palmer was like, yeah, you can tell this is what uh, white fragility looks like, is what he said like immediately after. This is what it looks like when you can't handle something that's like a different perspective and you like to protect your own space. So like I, after that, it was like, okay, I have to like, it was another another trust thing, going back to the trust thing. It's like the people I keep in my life have to, I have to like, know that they're not going to be that type of person i'm not going to try and enter any more spaces or places without knowing that the people in people who are in there are not anti-black or or racist or sexist like i have to like know like before and i have to like that's like the barrier no it's not really a barrier it's a good barrier to have but like the 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 rule i've learned at emory really was like okay i'm more confident in myself and i can also I also know what it's like when people when I'm trying to like impress other people and I'm never going to do that again because I, when it's happened I've it always like goes like it goes back to my blackness and the things that I like people will use that in the end against me in some kind of way which is which is hurtful yeah yeah but now it's just like now the the friends that I left Emory with are like some of the greatest people I've ever met and and that was like once again like after like cutting out some people who really weren't I imagine that that has to affect your ability going forward to make new relationships with people that aren't black. You know, if you, there's no test that you can give someone to know if they're racist or how they feel about you. And so these little experiences over time, I I can only imagine that they begin to long-term make an impact on how you trust other people and how you start new relationships. It, It does affect it. I usually, I'm also a person who's like very like open to meeting people. I love people. I love meeting new people. So it just like... It, it caused, I, what I've noticed in myself is like I reveal less about myself or I try to like say something that's like might like shows where I'm at on something and see if they someone disagrees or agrees and like see where the conversation is like just see the level of tolerance of someone when it comes to racism I guess or anything like that. I also like needed to have like a more diverse friend group. Another thing is like I noticed that women were easier to talk to about like almost anything so like a lot of my friends that I made at Emory were at first were like women we like talked through a lot of issues and it was just like so I had to yeah like it I just became a little bit more reserved about what I would tell like how expressive I was what I would tell people about myself and mostly because I just wanted to like feel someone else's out feel someone else out that was that's like the biggest change and the biggest like trust thing it's just like i need to know where you're at before i even dive into a some kind of relationship i know the last few weeks have been pretty hard for a lot of my black friends how are you feeling right now uh last few weeks have been exhausting it's been a lot it once again reminds me of like because, like, the Black Lives Matter movement started, like, six years ago or something, like, seven years ago, after, I think, Michael Brown died. And I remember, like, protests and all that kind of stuff, and and to see it just grow into this, like, huge thing right now is, like, very nice, and, like, it feels like, I feel, like, hopeful, like, that something will happen, something will change, but also I'm just, like, exhausted of seeing, like, black people die in these kinds of ways, and it'd be so on the forefront like just everywhere and you can't really escape it and like 
I, I've gone from being like really passionate about thinking about everything and like going to a protest, like being like there to like insulating and like trying to stay with the people I love and like with my family in particular and just like and not not be as tuned in as I was a couple weeks ago. I but the way I feel is like I'm gl- I'm really the positive things. I'm really happy that my sister like my sister's age, like people in high school right now, like young people are like out in the streets. And that didn't happen when I was in, in high school. Some people my age when I, we were like out protesting and doing stuff. But like, I love the fact that like, it seems like everyone younger than me is like, we're on the same page about this. And like, that's like, that wasn't what it was like when I was in high school, even six, four years, five years ago. It was like when, I think it was when Ferguson happened. So it was when uh, the the Ferguson riots happened after my, the, the officer who killed Michael Brown was not convicted or charged by a grand jury, I'm not sure. I remember going to school the next day, having a conversation in one of my classes about it, and like being, once again, very exhausted, and like, just tired, we were talking about it, and I was, I was the only black person in the room, and it was just like, one of those things, where it was like, I, I didn't get why, like the world didn't stop, basically. Like this happened, there's a city on fire, and like, we're still like, living our lives. So I shot a, I wrote an email, about that i was like we should like do something at the school and we should or like the school should remember that even while we're in school that this is happening somewhere else in the country and this is important even though we are an international school and we're kind of insulated from that this is happening out there and i wrote that email and i sent it to every single person in the school students faculty Susan's faculty in the high school and I remember like leaving feeling like pretty like good about myself I was like good I like said something I feel good about that and then like leaving that class where we were talking about that and like teachers were like kind of proud of me like people were like saying like that's I'm glad that you did that but like for my friends getting like the aura of like you're like being you're you're just like you're like trying to like I don't know not for my friends from from certain people in my high school like I was like I was I was uh, trying to look good, like I was trying to like be holier than thou by do, by by talking li- about stuff like that, and and like in that moment feeling like immediately betrayed by people I knew was like not I'm just sad, like I'm sad that someone was like there's no justice and like and it's like happens to people who look like me and and it's like sucks to like walk around a normal school day and like not talk about it and like that's what i was feeling but like to get any kind of pushback from people my age at the time was just like what i like this is a human rights issue so it's another thing but now and like in contrast to like my sister in the same high school i know for a fact that wouldn't happen they would stop the school like they the kids in that in her year or in her high school would do a walkout like they would do something like to the level of like they're on they're at least a little bit more like aware of of issues like this like the 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 level of injustice is on the level of like a human rights crisis and that's what that's the way that they at least i see from my they people in her friend group she also still gets like racist edgy teen kids teen boys saying stuff but like the majority of people are like in in the same school i was in only five years ago are it's different it's like there's a there's a changing tide a little bit which is the only like the little glimmer of hope that i'm holding on to well as you know at bread when we share stories we like to end those stories with three have you considered questions this is just a space for us to sort of turn our stories back around and offer those listening something to take home to maybe consider about their own life. So do you have any, have you considered questions for us today? Yeah, I do. I have just like a couple. Uh, 
Have you considered that you might have done racist actions in your past? Have you considered that the difference between people is not something to be erased, but to be embraced? Like the people in your life, that it's something that you you don't have to... It's not about one human like thing. We're all different and we should be acknowledging the, our differences and loving our differences. And um, have you considered how you can change your own racist thinking in the future? With the things that you believe, you believe, have you, even for black people, like have you considered the way that, the, w the way that you think about people and how you're working to change them?